Good, here we are. Well, good morning. Welcome. All right. Let's warm it up so that all the snow melts for a couple more weeks, huh? Six, eight, ten. But you've got to love it. What a beautiful country. I tell you, I lived in Southern California for 27 years. And there's, being warm all the time is overrated is all I have to say. There's, there's a lot of great things about Edmonton that most of you know. So what we're going to do right now is we're going to drop into our hearts, um, and uh, or I'm going to invite you to drop into your heart. The heart is an incredible organ. It's 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 um, a seat of intelligence within us that um, more and more research has gone into the Institute of Heart Math, um, and so many of the people that I've been involved with over the past several months, Lynn McTaggart with Power of Eight, Joe Dispenza. Uh, even our Q process of all connected to heart math is a process as a doorway into the experience. And so uh, heart math is really about just bringing your awareness. Where we put, bring awareness, energy goes. So I invite you to just gently, without any effort, bring your awareness to your heart. If you can feel it breathing. Or, or, uh, and, and imagine it breathing. Feeling it uh, beating if you can. But imagine it breathing. In and out. It's perfect intelligence. And so let's, if you find your mind wandering, if you're distracted in this moment, if you're distracted in this moment, allow yourself to put your awareness on your heart. And if you become distracted again, just simply go back to the heart. Any of the thoughts, dissolve them into the heart of unconditional love. Think of something that you're grateful for. Doesn't matter what it is, large or small, current or a, a memory, a distant memory, but activate that, that field of appreciation. When we activate that, it expands beyond us. Our energetic field is transformed. And so now that we've set ourselves up to be in our hearts, let's just drop into our silence. In 30 seconds, I will bring you back with a song and a prayer. So let's begin. In this very room, there's quite enough love for all the world. And in this very room, there's quite enough joy for all the world. And there's quite enough love and quite enough power to walk through our every fear. For spirit, one spirit is in this very room, in this very room, in this very room. 
And so what I invite you to know with me in this moment, this is the only moment. Allow my words to be your words, and if they're not a good fit, don't give them any energy, just let them wash over you. But I affirm and know from the core of my being, from my own experience, that there is an energetic field. It is loving intelligence. It is not an anthropomorphic presence. It is not a man. It is not a woman. It is both male and female. But it is an energy of, of infinite loving intelligence. And so as I speak about it, and as I recognize it on behalf of each and every one of us in the I am, I affirm and know that that life is perfect, that life is, is source, energy, source, love, creativity, opportunity, love, beauty, and that life is my life here and now in the I am. On behalf of each and one, every one of us is my knowing. And so I affirm in great gratitude, I give thanks knowing that I'm guided and directed in a way that is orderly, grounded in peace, with the clarity and the grace and the ease to know that there is more than enough, more than enough thoughts, wisdom, resources, time, energy, that each and every one of us has incarnated at this point in time for specific, beautiful opportunity. And so I know that my, my service this day is to be in service to those ideas and to help awaken, to help us grow up, myself included, to do my cleanup within my own being so that my energetic field is more and more available to the newness and the infinite possibilities that are seeking expression upon this planet. I give thanks, I release these words and invite you to say with me, and so it is. So we do that invocation because we want to invite people into our home, we want to invite the energy and people into our homes that's a good fit for what we're about. How many of us would set the dinner table and then just open the front door and say, well, whoever comes in, that'll be okay? And I, and I think some people do that, but I think that, that it's really important, and you never know what you're going to end up with, because there's a lot of folks out there that might connect with us energetically in a way that we don't want to be connected with. So the more specific we are, the more we do the invocation, it, it, it helps narrow our invitation. So we do, a, we do an invocation at, a, at the beginning of each, each practice. And so part of that I want to model for you today, as I have for several weeks. I'll be, one of the, I'll be doing this for a couple more weeks with my own cue card, and then we'll get on to the center's cue card. I'm going to talk about that in a moment. There's a feather that's floating by. Yeah. But I don't think it's my feather. I think it's somebody else's feather. Anyway, we'll see if it hangs there. Isn't that interesting? Wow. Just kind of lingering there. So, What I'd like to invite you is to uh, know with me is I'm going to share with you my cue card. And my cue card, cue means quantum. So if you're here for the first time, I'm not, I don't want to use language that will confuse you. Cue means quantum. And what it is is a 20-day self-directed process that we have introduced within our community. We've had over 200 people participate in the cue process. And what it does is help identify our shadow and help us work to integration to transcend and integrate, transcend and integrate. So transcend means to move above. So our shadow are those pieces within us that we don't like, those parts of us that are disowned. And I'm going to talk about that a bit because we have an event coming up next Friday night and Saturday, and Marie so beautifully uh, described that. That's very, very significant. And I think it's 
what we're doing here not only applies to spiritual community, it also applies to the world. We have eight Q facilitators in training right now. And my, part of my vision for this is that we're, we are a transformational community. And that the opportunities and the consciousness that we continue to nurture and develop by practice and practice and practice, we can become a, a resource for people. I was talking to a, someone that works in a, in a large organization here in Edmonton said, I would love to bring the Q process to this because everyone's stuck. And it's so easy to get stuck in the world because 95% of who we are is our conditioning. We have a 5% capacity for newness. The rest is all by habit. And so that's why spiritual practice and, and tools to help free us energetically are so important. And so I said, well, I'll come down, we'll have a visit, see what we can do. And she said, well, no one's open to it. And part of it is because they haven't, they haven't experienced enough pain yet. Because it's not easy work. And I'm going to talk to you about that a bit. So this genogram that we are now, we have on-ramped. We've had enough people go through the Q process, so we've now created, we've created a coherent field of opportunity. Our, our possibility of success is much higher now because you understand the language, you understand the process. It's not rocket science. It's just simply looking at our triggers and scripting them and, and transcending and integrating in a way through, through practice and through some very specific questions that we are invited to ask that helps shift the energetic and it frees us. So the genogram is, our, is our, part of our transition from minister-centric to mission-centric. So the old model for churches is you get a minister, and, and that's the guy, and, and that guy's responsible for the, the programs and for the preaching and for the teaching and for the pastoral care and for the, the budget and for the, the outreach and everything else. It's all about the minister. It's all top-down. And so mission-centric is really around empowering everybody to step in and take responsibility. Because the really disappointing thing about what we teach, see, we all think when I came to this, it was all like, this is fantastic. My struggle and pain and suffering is over because God is good and, I'm, and I am God. I am God. That's not quite what Ernest Holmes said. There's a power for good in the universe that I can use, but I am not the thing itself. But many people, one of the diseases that we have confront in our, our culture right now, and I say this with great love, is narcissism. Now, I am part, I was born in the me generation. And what that means is it's me, 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 mine, 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 mine. The mindset that I was nurtured in, it was that, that born in the 50s and, you know, and that whole 60s revolution. And so you, you, you jump into that and all that. And what's happening now, they know now through studies and research, the, the, um, the millennials. They've studied the millennials. And God love the millennials. This is a, this is, I'm saying this with compassion. Are two and a half times more narcissistic than my generation. And what it is is a call for prayer and it's a call for compassion. To understand it without criticizing and pointing a finger at it, but that's the world we're in right now. And worshiping ourselves, because what narcissism is, is worshiping ourselves. And it's, it, we're missing the mark. The reason that the 12 step program works, because Bill, um, Bill W. was very, very connected to Carl Jung, Carl Jung's work. And the reason that the 12 step program is as successful as it is. And it's not that successful, but it's the most successful program that we've ever had because up until that point, alcoholism, if you were an alcoholic, you were, you were dead. There was no remedy for you. You were going to drink yourself to death. Bill W. came along, and what he said was, the magic ingredient in it is, there's a power greater than you. There's a power greater than you. And it doesn't dis diminish us. It just gives us perspective to realize, I don't have to white knuckle this. I don't have to do it all on my own. 
I don't have to self-medicate. I don't have to go numb and unconscious because life's so painful. And what's happened with, with new thought especially is it's all about me, 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 me. And while that is true in many ways because the transformation is also personal, there's also this energetic field of infinite intelligence and love that is seeking expression. And so when we can stand in the awareness and the humility and understand with greater clarity who we are and whose we are, I think we have a, a better chance of fulfilling our soul's blueprint, which is individual and collective. So anyway, with the genogram, it takes us from minister-centric to mission-centric. We empower, we want to empower every individual to be a part of their own transformation. So in other words, ah, that, that minister, he's whatever, I, you know, it's not working for me because he's not doing my healing for me. He should be doing my healing for me. It doesn't work that way. That's magical thinking. And what that represents is, is Ken Wilber's work, which is phenomenal. Ken Wilber is probably one of the most incredible minds of our age right now. He's 69 years old right now. He's written amazing books, stuff. I, I watch his lectures, and I have to watch it three or four times to grasp. I mean, it is rigorous, rigorous and deep. But he has created what they call a Coombs-Wilber or Wilber-Coombs lattice. And what it is is that there are states of being and there are stages and sometimes the states and the stages, um, your experience, so you have an experience of oneness. That's a state. Oh, my God, all is well. I'm in uh, this experience of unconditional love, whatever it may be. That state will be completely connected to the stage you're in of development. And so if you are believing that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior and has come to save you and rescue you, the stage you are in is victim. And so you will color that as victim. And what you'll look at, Jesus as magical. He changed water into wine. He walked on water. That'll all be the thing. And that's, and that's how many, so many people fall, fall into that idea so, so richly. And I'm not making it wrong. What I'm saying is it's just their stage. But someone that has started to move into the integral stage of understanding their spirituality and connection with oneness will have a different experience with that. I have people that come to me. I've been in ministry over 20 years now. I can count on both my fingers and toes the number of people that have come to me and, and described a mystical experience in their lives. And the next time I see them, they come back and they tell me the exact same story of the mystical experience in their lives. Now, the rest of their life's a mess. They're typically broke or they're in broken relationships or whatever. Not everyone. But what's happened is someone has the mystical experience, but the stage they're out of development is that of a five-year-old. So they have the mystical experience, the, door, the, the, the lid gets open, and yet they haven't, the, the stages they haven't developed in terms of stage. So part of the reason that we're doing the Q process, this quantum process, this shadow integration, is because it's one of the ways to start bringing the levels of stage to start to mature. So then you can have the mystical experience, but you don't have to tell anybody. They, they, I've heard it said that the, the difference between a mystic and a, and, a, and, a, and a lunatic is the mystic knows who to tell its story to. And so all I'm saying is, it's easy to fall into that trap. And for a thousand years, the traditions upon the planet have never talked about stage. They've all talked about state. They've all talked about waking up. And it's great, and it's important to wake up, but we also have to grow up. So it's waking up and growing up, and that's why you see the graphic up there. So anyway, what we're doing is we're going to have this event on Friday night, and we're inviting people. It's a two-part event. We're doing part of it Friday night, it's, and then we're going to do part of it Saturday. And what we're going to do is we're going to come together and we're going to talk about our story here. We're going to talk about, we're going to lay out the eras from first minister to me. We're going to talk about the things that worked well. We're going to talk about things that don't work well. 
So we're going to bring it into the light so we can love it and we can use it as our foundational piece to move forward. Because I see, I think we're here to, I think this could be a, a transformational community. I think through spiritual practice and rigorous discipline, it's hard. It takes responsibility. I was watching Jordan Peterson the other day. I think he's a brilliant man. I don't agree with his, his approach, but Jordan Peterson, because Jordan Peterson attacks. He didn't bring any compassion to the conversation, so I got to put that aside and love him anyway. But what he says is it takes responsibility to develop, and we all have to take responsibility for our nonsense, for our triggers, because once we own it, once we integrate it and transcend it, we can move forward. So we're going to get together and we're going to make a cue card up for the center. We're going to tell our story one more time. The prouds and the sorries, the heartbreak and disappear, because you're making stuff up anyway as I am. I'm looking forward to it because i got all kinds of stories I want to tell. Stuff that's gone on here. I probably won't tell it, but I'm thinking about it and I'm working with it. Because there's, there's a lot of stuff people make up with a little bit of information that ain't accurate. And so I get to heal that. I get to integrate that. But the point is, if we don't do this work, we don't free the energy to move forward. So the genograb, in order to create something that is not tethered to the past, we have to transcend and integrate what has gotten created that is not necessarily serving us at this point in time, that has become unconscious patterns that compel our organizational life. And in some ways, it has driven our past. So in the way it drives us, we either hold on to something that's necessary so we can know our own value or worth, which means that the outside is informing our value and worth. So, oh my gosh, this is different now here. The chairs used to be over here. Somebody's sitting in my chair this Sunday. Oh my gosh, I had no idea that was your chair. I go over, I look, there's no nameplate on it or anything. I'll let people know, stay away from that chair. Or to move away from something that holds us back from experiencing a greater good. So are you, are you, here, are you here for the possibility of greater good or not? Is it just maintaining the status quo? That's one of the things that inspires me about Joe Dispenza. He says, I want to work with people that want to work. I feel the same way. I want to work with people that are enrolled in their own transformation. You know, when you come to me and tell me you've got the mystical experience, after three, three times I listen to it, if there's no opportunity for me to offer you any support, I can't listen anymore. I think it's wonderful and you had that, but obviously you're so married to that, there's nothing new that's going to land with you. And it's okay, and I can do it with love. But it may not feel like love to them because I stopped listening to them. And when you're ready for a new idea, a new possibility, let me know. So think of our ministry as a living system, because it is. And it has been on the spiritual journey since its beginning. So it's over 30 years now. And we've had a, eras, different eras of ministers. And since its beginning, as people have come together in their best intentions to create what their hearts are yearning to bring forth, a legacy in the future, a transformational community, we are currently living a legacy. But this legacy has limitations. And that constitutes a pain body. So what happens typically in community is a minister leaves and people's abandonment issues get triggered, their resentment and all this stuff, that, and the, all this stuff gets triggered, and then you drop another minister in who's got to then figure out how to manage your way around people's hurt feelings that had nothing to do with the, the, the new minister that shows up. And this doesn't just go on here. It goes on in many traditions. So the genogram, we're going to do Friday night. If you can't be at Friday night, you can't come Saturday because it's two parts. And what we're going to do is we're going to plant seeds, and it's not to be mean, but we're going to plant seeds, we're going to initiate an energetic that we're going to carry through on Saturday. And the reason that we do Friday night is so you can go home and pay attention to your dreams and see what's bubbling up for you. What's alive for me? 
So it's a really wonderful thought-out process. I told this woman uh, between services, I said, let me, let me come in and talk to your group. We can do the, the Q process. Because she's got a whole group of people that are pissed off at her because she's holding them accountable. Are you saying I'm not doing a good job? <sighs> yeah, and see, there's our triggers. Yeah, of course, that's how they feel. And that's not what she's saying. But she said, how do I get through that? And I said, well, we'll talk. So we're going to come together. We're going to tell the story of our church. And the purpose of the genogram activity is to identify the unconscious patterns that drive or run the ministry when we are not conscious, as well as those patterns and the unintended consequences of the current way we do ministry and the minister-centric practice, which I described earlier. All the, point and fi- the finger pointing at the one guy. And I get it, and I'm fine with that. It's been great practice for me because now I don't get triggered by any of it. I'm just like, wow, look at that. I mean, either, either do that or you, turn your, you set your hair on fire and run out into the dark. And it, because what gets triggered then is you're not enough. I mean, I've watched my family. I have seven sisters and three brothers. They're alive here all the time. So what I've had to do is integrate it so that there's no longer the, the pushback. Because I, adra- I attract it like a heat-seeking missile. Because that's who we are in consciousness. It's the mirror effect. So identify the un- unco- um, unconscious patterns. We'll write our cue card. We're going to have our shadow card, our cue card. Dr. Gary's going to cre- uh, create that, and we'll start sharing that. Who did we come here to be? Why does this community exist? Why does this community exist? Because if we're not in service to the greater good, if we're just a place to hang out and keep everything the same, and we can do that, but we're going to find out. We're going to find out. I'm interested in the, what's happening scientifically. I'm interested in taking the science of mind. Te- I was brought here to teach this. This is the science of mind textbook. That's why I was hired. I was trained. I spent seven years studying it, getting my act together, getting enough traction into my own life so I could stand up and, and be of, of value to this. Spent six years in a tiny little church, started out with three people, grew it to 65 people in five and a half years. Hardest thing I ever did. But I was enrolled and invested because I knew it was taking me somewhere. And I was, I was shifting and changing so much. But it wasn't easy. It wasn't fun. There was no money. There was no salary for a minister. I said, I'll keep doing this as long as I can keep going. And it just, and, and it, 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 the fullness of it and the experience was so rich. So rich. So that's why we're doing the genogram, to free the energy. Because what happens... With this, let me click a slide or two ahead here. I promised Bill I wouldn't go too long. I'm already going too long. That's my shadow. Did I do my shadow yet? Because when I show up on my shadow card, I feel alone, flawed, fearful, self-centered, stupid, and in lack. Because this is who I've come here to be. This is what I want the infinite loving intelligence within me to know. I've come here to be brilliant. I've come here to be creative. I've come here to be invincible. I've come here to love. I've come here to live in wholeness. And I've come here to be free. And I'll tell you right now, I take responsibility for my experience. And I take responsibility for my, my emotional experience. You can't hurt my feelings. You can't. I might forget at times. I might go on my shadow card. But that's not your job. My job is to stand in the truth of my being. And stand close to, the, to this, this infinite loving intelligence that grounds me. I didn't get any of that growing up. I had my first mystical experience when I was four years old. And I've had repeated ones from that, which opened the doorway for me to realize that the tradition that I was nurtured in, which is a beautiful tradition at its core, and it served my mother well, my brothers and sisters are still part of it, but I knew it wasn't for me. They were missing something. 
I didn't think a loving, a loving presence was going to condemn me to the fiery hells of damnation for eternity because I ate a bologna sandwich on a Friday. In fact, there's no meat in a bologna sandwich, I found out later. <laughs> I was all worried about nothing. It's all spices and, and grains anyway. But I digress. Anyway. So this is why I've come here to be. And so the, the mind, once stretched to a new idea, never returns to its original dimensions. Ralph Waldo Emerson. Dr. Holmes said, there's a power for good in the universe, and we can use it. Let's use it. Let's use it. The genogram. I just described that to you. Friday night, if you can be here, be here. Love to have you here. I'm talking. I got Arnie Polson coming for sure, because we need people that are in the room that, that understand the, the history, because we want to talk about the history. You know, buying this building, that's a proud. Buying this building, taking good care of this building. The mirror. So the mirror. Let me just talk to you about the mirror. This comes from Dr. Gary Simmons' book on... Um, let me grab it. Actually, Dr. Ernest Holmes in here writes about the mirror. Page 320, Science of Mind textbook. What does he say? I'll tell you. He says... Limitation and poverty are not things, but are the result of restricted ways of thinking. So when people get up and say there's not enough, which is a fascinating thing to hear in our community, let's, let's talk about limitation, and then let's make decisions based on this limiting idea that we have. I just find that fascinating. So people come in so convinced there's not enough. We are surrounded by a substantive intelligence which receives the impress of our thought and acts upon it. The natural law is the mental world is neither good nor bad. See, it doesn't discern. Neither good nor bad, it's neutral. It just says yes. It can, only be, it can only be said of it that it is and that we may consciously use it. The law is a law of reflection, for life is a mirror reflecting to us as conditions the image of our thinking. So when we're living in lack and limitation, it is a reflection of our thinking. So when we run around and we try to shrink our bills... We're missing the point. We're missing the opportunity. As Gary says, we want everyone to have their life as more than enough. That there's more than enough. Doesn't matter what's in our checking account. To stand in the more than enough. Because then this infinite law brings to us, based on the subjective nature, which means the, the embodied consciousness we are, that experience. But as long as we keep singing, the, there's not enough, guess what we get? I mean, it's just so simple and yet so difficult, isn't it? So the law is a law of reflection. For life is a mirror reflecting to us as conditions of our, in images of our thinking. Whatever one thinks tends to take form and become part of our experience. The medium of all thought is universal mind acting as law. Law is always impersonal, neutral, receptive, and reactive. The whole book's full of this stuff. The whole book. The place to do the work. The transformation is transforming that. So I want to get into this idea of the mirror. Is that, so the mirror is about the shadow. So we have people that show up in our lives. Dr. Gary writes about it in his, um, his um, uh, Eye of the Storm book. I just went through the Eye of the Storm and did a whole uh, write-up for a talk for the organization that's going to be done in May. So I have all the notes and then went through his first three chapters. But what he says in the third chapter, and we're going to work on this stuff next month with the Eye of the Storm. It's a fabulous book. He says, look into the mirror with love. So genogram, wake up, grow up. Let me back up a little bit, catch up here with slides. Transcend to rise above, go beyond to exceed. Integrate. So transcend and integrate. Include and embody a transformational community. 
So it's always mirroring to us what we are. The mirror, look into it with love. Opportunity for transcendence and integration. So what happens is, we have a dad. I'm gonna describe my dad to you. So when my dad was raising us and disciplining us, I said to myself as a small little boy, I will never do that. I will never be him. What happens is because I've cut that off from me, I can't live in wholeness. I gotta take him with me. Doesn't mean I take him with me and act it out, but I have enough awareness because I'm in a state and a stage where I can hold it. So the aggression that he expressed, I can own, but I don't have to live from. I don't have to play it out. So when, when aggression, blessed are the meek, the blessed are the meek that Jesus said, blessed are the meek referred to horses. Horses under control, power under control. When you know who you are and you know what you're capable of but don't have to act that way, that's power. It's always the coward or the chicken that can't manage that energy. So what happens is we shut that off at five years old and then we get triggered and we start to become aggressive. We, we are starting to think like the five-year-old and it becomes a sub-self. So we, we discard that piece of us because we dislike it so much. We can't own it. So then we walk around pretending that we have courage, but we're just lying, we're just announcing. There's a fellow that's modeling all this for us right now, he's on the news every day. He's, there's, and what he's done is he's come to teach. This infinite divine intelligence says, you guys need to look at this. In fact, I'm gonna bring somebody into your life so you get to look at it over and over again. So what I've, I'm learning, the next, the fourth practice in Gary's book in this chapter is Pray for your enemies. Pray for your enemies. I got a whole list of people that I'm praying for right now because I used to think they're against me, but I realized that I want to transform this. And being angry and being judgmental and pointing a finger. So what happens with this, Ken Wilber talks about it. So with the shadow, what happens is we are at a point in our time, and I did this, the, the spiral dynamics for a number of weeks, and it's just a typing system. It's just a developmental hierarchy. It doesn't mean that something's better or worse. It's just where we are. It's, it's identifying stage, okay? If we're in the magical stage, as I said, we think Jesus is a magician and he'll save us. If we're in the integral stage, we realize that the Christ within me recognizes the Christ within everyone. Crystal, I see the Buddha in you right now. Right now. So that's the integral stage. So it's not fantastic, there's no, there's no superstition around it, there's no mystery around it, it's just life, it's just energy. So what happens is, is each time we reject part of ourselves, part of what our parents did, part of what our brothers and sisters, our teachers, or part of ourselves do. Say we got a, Ken Wilber uses the example, we got 100 pesos. We start out with 100 pesos. As soon as we reject our father, it costs us 10 pesos. And then we have another experience at school and somebody says you're stupid and dumb and ugly too. And there's another 10 because we, we push that down and we repress that because some arbitrary guy has got uh, you know, four or five sentences that he memorized somewhere and shares them with us and we think that they're the expert. Oh, they found me out. Anyway, on and on. So what happens is we get to a point, that's in, and we're in tier one in the spiral dynamics. Tier one is just simply about action, activity. Tier two, which is what we're on the precipice of, is about state. It's about being. So we get to the point where all of a sudden we want to move into the tier two. We get there and all we got is 60 pesos left. 
And it, requ- it requires 80 pesos to get up there, to move in and up. But we don't, have the, we don't have the change, we don't have the juice to get there because we have discarded so much of ourselves. So if we're going to make the journey, we've got to take all of it with us. This is what Carl Jung taught. It's what Ken Wilber's talking about. It's what Dr. Gary Simmons is talking about. It's what all the leading people that I think have sanity and clarity and are inspired are saying, you've got to integrate the shadow or you're never going to make the journey. Dr. Ernest Holmes didn't have to speak about this stuff coming along. He writes about wholeness, science of mind textbook. He's all over these ideas. If you read scripture, you read the things Jesus said, he knew this stuff. He knew this stuff. It's amazing. He was talking about this all the time, but he was talking to people that just had gotten climbed out of caves. The time that he was preaching and teaching, these people couldn't read. They believed in superstition and magic. They were looking for the magical healing. So we got to understand them when we read it. So, opportunity to transcend and integrate. At the bottom here, it's mirroring what's within you is not connected to your wholeness and worth. Have enough pesos to move in and move up. So heart coherence. Heart coherence, heart math, heart coherence. It's alignment, it's rhythm, it's order. I'm going to put a video up right now to show you this idea of coherence. The universe we live in. I want you to watch this. It's quite fascinating. See that little guy over there? He's saying, I'm special. How do they know? How do they know? How do those little guys inside those metronomes know? So what this is, is that they come into synchronization because there's a rhythm we're all immersed in. So they say that when elephants walk together, there's a circadian rhythm that they connect with. Our bodies have a circadian rhythm. When we start to go into distress or we start to go into illness, we get our circadian rhythm gets out of it. So the jet lag is an example of what can trigger it. But we have a natural rhythm. And so the reason I want to show this to you is when we have a common practice, when we realize that I want to be part of transformation and I don't have to know all the pieces, I just have to show up and do my work. I have to put down my conditioning and my biases and my prejudices and you can leave them outside and pick them up when you leave. You just can't bring them in the door anymore. If you want to bring them in the door, then bring a cue sheet and let's work for transformation because it's come for us. But the point is when we have common practice and we move into coherence, it frees the energy. So all of us as a community have enough pesos to make the leap. I'm not doing this cue process for, for kicks and giggles. I think it's the most important thing we can do. I look at the world and I th- see people struggle and I pe- see people polarized. And if we don't get on top of this, if we don't stop getting triggered and pointing fingers and blaming one another, we're going to kill ourselves. You know, Albert Einstein said, I don't know what weapons will be used in the Third World War. But I know what weapons will be used in the Fourth World War. Stones and sticks. And I think he was right. So I take this stuff really seriously. The the pettiness and the biases and all, it's part of our conditioning. We're unconscious to it. And the unintended consequences we see in our community. So if we're going to be a community of transformation and opportunity and possibility and give birth to what is seeking to be given birth, I'm interested in that. And I want to do enough of my own work by right of my, my consciousness that the people that I'm, I'm bringing into my life are mirroring that for me. 
so I'm inspired. And I keep going. I got back from Joe Dispenza, I got sick, and I was just, you know, I was just dragging myself around. Joe puts you through so many things, I've still got this cold. And so Laura said to me after about three days, you know, you just don't seem to be doing anything. Get your act together. And I said, you know, I ain't feeling that well. But the point is, is that I dove back into the work, and I started watching these amazing teachers that are teaching this stuff about transformation, possibility, and opportunity. And it's for all of us. None of us are excluded. All of us, this opportunity. And I want to integrate. I just did this work with my dad. Because for years I've said, I'll never be that. He was, a, he was a tough, tough, mean guy. He just didn't know anything else. There was never a sit-down, uh, respectful conversation with my dad. We were children. We were chattel. But the point is, I got to love him into my experience because I don't, I don't raise my kids that way. And I've learned enough by pushing him away. Say, come on, come with me. Because I want to be able to stand in that, that, that blessed are the meek. I don't have to beat anybody up. I don't have to make myself right. I just want to be clear and grounded like the Buddha said. Are you enlightened? He said, no, I'm awake. I'm awake. So what I want to do right now, I want to take you into an experience. I'm going to have Bill put on some, some music under this. I'm just going to invite you to do some heart math with me right now. Put you, if you can, put your feet on the floor. Just relax. The more you can relax while we do this, the better off you are. We want to go into the infinite stillness the infinite stillness with awareness. And the infinite stillness is this beautiful, vast blackness. So I'm going to invite you to take your awareness to your heart. Take your awareness down into your heart. Think of something you're grateful for. Maybe it's ears to hear this beautiful music. Whatever triggers gratitude in your life. Just drop down. In your mind's eye, just feel your heart breathing. That heart is breathing and connecting with one another. Just like those metronomes. When we are in sync, when we are connected, we amplify and multiply. And so who we are, our state, is our prayer of unconditional love, of opportunity. Can you sense the spaciousness around your body? Endless, infinite, above, below, to each side, in front of us and back of us. And as that heart is activated, that energy starts to move down through our hands. And so I invite you to when you're ready, bring your hands up to your chest height and think of something or someone, perhaps it's even in a condition in your life that you are ready for transformation, for transcendence and integration. And being that, be in that spaciousness of unconditional gratitude. Bless the condition. If you're not clear of what it is, you are planting a seed right now. It will show up when you open the door. No pressure, no performance anxiety. Let us know that the 
the coherence that we come in today blesses our community, blesses our genogram activity, blesses every one of us. Let us offer blessings to those that we perceive as our enemies so that that energy may be transformed. Let us know that justice prevails. Let us know that what is unfolding upon this planet, especially the political system, we bless it. And we know that justice and truth, goodness, possibility and opportunity are being supported here and now. When we offer it unconditionally, transformation takes place in this space. And so if you just put your hands back on your lap or where they're comfortable, you can feel the energy, feel that energy between your hands. That comes from the heart. I'm going to ask Bill to bring the music down and we have one last video we're going to end with today. It's a beautiful montage and a beautiful song by Josh Groban that I want to share with you. So when the music starts, when you're ready to just gently open your eyes and in this coherent field, just drink it in. Have you ever felt it could all go away if you bleed? If you never stop running, you won't fall behind. So you think, and you wonder in your heart if you still are who you are, who are you? Nothing's as it seems till it all falls apart. If you have a dream, go chase it. If you feel hope, don't waste it. If you find love, embrace it. And never take a single breath for granted. The story.